Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 603 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fine. Ready was, to do a podcast. I was hoping for a, I just flew in from New York, and boy, does my knee really hurt. No, I'm a, I'm a day late and several dollars short, Joe. Yes. Now, I will say this. If it makes you feel any better, I don't know if it does or doesn't, uh, yesterday into today, I felt the bloat foot coming on. Mm, sympathy and I, pains. And I took the precautions, you know, to start preventing it, you know, because the the tens of thousands of dollars that I spent at doctors and MRIs and x-rays and so on and so forth couldn't figure what, figure out what's wrong with it, but I was able to figure it out myself. I would say that I'm a doctor because I was able to figure that, that out. But which uh, regeneration are you? Um, who oh boy, um, who is the one that fought Eric Roberts? Cause that's me. That would be the eighth. All right. You're, I would say you're an eighth doctor. Yes, definitely. Okay. You're half human. So <sighs> what all the, any guy, this isn't a doctor who podcast. We talked about that last week. Enough. But it could be, it could no, be. No, it can't Joe. be. It can't be. Uh, I won't allow it. <laughs> and, so, uh, so Go let's ahead. get into uh, you know what we have on store for this episode, comic book wise. Uh, yet another movie falls victim to yet another delay, and nobody threw a chair at anyone for this to happen. <laughs> um, and some of the nice things that the big two uh, are doing to honor um, a legend in the comic book industry, what we've read this past week, which includes the nice house. Uh, on the Lake, Issue 8, and Batman Superman World's Finest, Number 2. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, the results and the next matchup for the Silver Standard, uh, pitting the bottom of the bottoms <laughs> of Spider-Man and Batman's rogues gallery uh, against each other. Uh, and TV talk with the uh, most recent episode of Moon Knight. Yes, uh, so uh, let's get right off the bat here. You know, it obviously falls into a bunch of other non-comic book movies, but we don't talk about those. Uh, but I forget that Sony has like all these weird Spider-Man projects in their pipeline. Uh, like there's a Madam Web movie that's on the schedule, which I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, either did I. Right. Um, and then I woke up this morning and I saw that uh, musical artist and WrestleMania star Bad Bunny is going to be in some sort of Spider-Man thing mm -hmm. uh, that they just announced it, that he's going to play El Muerto, um, who is like a wrestling Spider-Man thing. Okay. okay. Right. But that's not what we're talking about here. Like as Sony announces these projects, uh, they also announced that. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, uh, which I just saw trailers for uh, when we went to go see Sonic 2 that was supposed to be coming out this October, has now been moved to next June. Okay. Uh, and again, I can only imagine why these movies are being delayed, but this, you know, bums me out because then now Across the Spider-Verse Part 2 gets moved to like 2024. Mm -hmm. uh, at the very least, the first one is an animated movie, so I feel as though that should be mostly done. 
Right. Um, but again, it's just, you know, further reshuffling of the uh, schedule that I have. You know, I like to keep track of these things as the, the movies are being moved around and so forth. Um, we're not at the point where I could take the Flash movie completely off the list just yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that day may come. True. Um, I'm really worried about that Madam Web movie, Joe. I was ready to see that at the drop of a hat. I didn't even know they were making a Madam right. Web movie. So um, I, I don't I, think I, that's getting made. I don't think – I haven't heard any actresses that are going to play Madam Web. So I don't know. Let me look to see how far along in the production they are on this. We have a title. It's called Madam it Web. has a title. <laughs> has an IMDb uh, page listing, right? Right. Uh, they have, uh, okay, so they have a writer, a director, uh, and they have that Dakota Johnson is going to play Madam Web. Okay. And that Sydney Sweeney is going to be in the movie. I don't know who Sydney Sweeney is, but okay. Uh, well, let's see. And then, so that's the thing. The image that they have that accompanies Madam Web is a uh, uh, issue 360-ish Mark Bagley cover featuring Spider-Man, Venom, and Carnage. Ah. That, you know, was... Madam Web. Right. Venom Spawn. But either way. Uh, I think you would know... Uh, this girl, Sydney Sweeney, from the television show Euphoria. Are you aware of the TV show Euphoria, Todd? All I know is that Mary Jane is in that show. That's it. Right. Uh, she was also in something called The Handmaid's Tale. Are you aware of The Handmaid's I'm Tale? I'm aware of the, uh, the Handmaid's Tale, yes. Okay, so that's where she's known from. I know right. who Dakota Johnson is. But it does not say that this movie has even begun uh, like filming. It's... Uh, it's currently in pre-production, so uh, I don't know how a movie can get delayed when like they haven't even started making it yet. <laughs> right? I, you know, listen, I, I... <laughs> that's my question. It's like we've delayed the thing we haven't started. So right. So and that's the thing. You know, I, I do my best to try to keep up on the movies, the the major ones and stuff. And as I find out about new ones, I like to let everyone know. You know. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, we've talked about it here on the show uh, as the word came out in regards to uh, comics legend George Perez, uh, his failing health. Uh, you know, obviously, no news is good news uh, currently in regards to any of this sort of stuff. Um, you know, I know he's making his final two convention appearances this year. Um, you know, obviously, health and everything else withstanding. But um, the first big thing I think that Heroes Initiative did. Marvel and DC let them do a reprint on the JLA Avengers thing with the money from that going to George Perez. And I know a lot of retailers that got copies did individual auctions of them, you know, selling for like two to three hundred dollars a clip. Right. And we're stating that they were donating that money back to the Hero Initiative to go toward George Perez. So, again, it's good to see stuff like that going on. Um, but then this week, or last week rather, in uh, the issue of Avengers, um, they did like a little tribute thing uh, to George Perez in there, uh, which was nice to see. Um, yeah, that was last week's uh, uh, issue where, you know, it says like George Perez, once an Avenger, always Avenger, and it's like all the Avengers toasting, and it looks yep. like it's 
his art that it's done with, you know? Yeah, but you know what's cool? Uh, did you notice uh, Captain Marvel and Tony Stark uh, toasting with water, which yes. I thought was cool? Yes. Uh, so, you know, obviously giving play like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this week's issue of Teen Titans Academy that comes out, uh, drawn by a uh, friend of the show, a uh, man who de- who designed our fancy logo, uh, Tom Derenick. A.K.A. the definitive Colonel Sanders artist. <laughs> yes. Uh, so there's a character uh, in the book, Diego Perez. He's a burgeoning artist. And in the most recent issue, uh, his uncle shows up to look through his portfolio. And they don't say that it's uh, George Perez. They say that it's Jorge Perez. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it certainly looks like George Perez. Hawaiian shirt and all. Yes. So that was really cool to kind of incorporate, you know, George as a character into, you know, and again, George Perez is so associated with so many different things, you know, to say like, oh, Teen Titans, but like his run in Avengers, his, you know, stuff with uh, Infinity Gauntlet and so much other stuff. But, you know, I would say like at DC, the thing that he'd probably most closely associate with is Teen Titans. So really cool for them to work him in there as a character. I agree, though. I do think overall, he probably I think everything's one A, but I think if you combined everything from Marvel and DC, people would say it was Teen Titans for George Perez. Yeah, I don't know. And then he did Crisis on Infinite Earth. That was a big story. I guess so. Right. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I think that's really cool. And I like the thing in the Teen Titans. But I made the mistake, Joe, of all the information that that you gave me. I went into the mentions. I made the mistake. Oh, see, you never do that. Never read the comments. Never do the mentions. Never, ever, ever, ever. Oh, my God. People were complaining about the Marvel one. That it was not in bad taste. Because it, it made everybody think, you know, George had passed on. I'm like, all right, I'm, stop- I'm never doing this again. Lesson learned. Time to move on. So. Yeah. But I think that's really cool. Anything to, to you know, to celebrate George Perez. So yeah. And then the other thing that DC is doing with their June books, um, in you know, it's I guess June is uh, George's birthday, so they're doing like a big two-page jam uh, spread of all the characters that George is kind of you know associated with in DC. And again, there's a lot of Teen Titans stuff in there, a lot of Crisis stuff in there. And it's a bunch of different artists, uh, everyone from Jim Lee to Walt Simonson to Alex Ross to everyone. And they have like a little artist key of like, oh, this person did this. Uh, You know, here's like Gary Frank Supergirl. Here's uh, Dave Gibbons Vigilante, so on and so forth. And then they're doing a variant cover for Dark Crisis number seven, um, which is, you know, because I guess... It's going to be an homage to Infinite uh, Christ on Infinite Earth Seven, mm-hmm. and you could only get it through Heroes Initiative, and of course the funds are going to go to George uh, for that as well. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad to see, you know, obviously, and I don't know what the legalities of what they can just give to him, but obviously to keep uh, the awareness of George Perez around and DC and Marvel to kind of honor him to show today's comics folks who may not know who he is. And, you know, you have to keep in mind that there may be people that don't have 
the same fondness or affinity or knowledge uh, for creators that you or I or the listeners or whomever do. So there's a really cool way, I think, for the big companies to kind of honor uh, such a huge creator, you know? I agree. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, it was a lean news week this week, but it's also a kind of lean um, uh, convention uh, weekend. So there was a ton of conventions this weekend, but I think it's because this weekend is free comic book day or is next weekend for next weekend is free comic book day. Yes. Take that back. So uh, there's a lot of small conventions going on where there's like no guest list. It's just like, we're setting up our stock. I think they're getting ready to clear things out for people coming in next week for free comic book day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this weekend is fan expo Cleveland. Um, I saw on a certain, the someone's Facebook page that will not be the mentioned that said last weekend was yet another failure from fan expo. Uh, <laughs> let's hope Cleveland can turn it around this weekend uh William Shatner, Michael Rooker, the full Clerks 3 cast uh are going to be there, but you know art-wise we got Brian Azzarello, Mike Grell, Tony Harris, uh Pete Tomasi, uh Howard Mackey and Kevin McGuire are all going to be in Cleveland. Ooh. That's only 6 hours away, Todd. If you got any ideas is all. Yeah, maybe I can go out there and get a root beer and uh, get a sketch off of Kevin. Yeah. Get a root beer, go stop at Melt, get some chicken fingers, mm-hmm. and uh, go get another six or seven sketches from Kevin. I think, I, you know, I think I have enough for myself. Maybe I'll start buying them for gifts. Yeah. But, and that's the thing, when there's so many conventions over the course of a weekend, um, you know, obviously we can't uh, list them all, but we'll just, like, give you the highlights, give you stuff that we think would be interesting, kind of fit in with the uh, mindset of the show here, you know? Yep. And now, I, you know, as I think about it, you know, we don't do the digital books anymore, the digital sales and freebies and stuff. What's just this, because uh, what's this we stuff? You got a mouse in your pocket? Uh, you you uh, always uh, did the digital and freebie well, stuff. You know, anything that we do for the, that I do for the show is like we right. You know, right, yeah. Um, so I just because they would always put the free comic book day stuff up on Comixology. Mm-hmm. But now that Comixology goes through Amazon and is still a mess, I wonder how that stuff is going to go next week. I'm going to give it a peek and we'll come back. Oh, Joe's going back into the mouth of madness. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how that looks next week, you know? Uh, that being said, of course, uh, soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network go live, you can find them there outside of their individual feeds, podcatchers, or otherwise. Um, I apologize last week for the mix-up with all the feeds and everything. Um, I was lamenting to Todd before we went hot on the air today in regards to this. Uh, But uh, just so that you know, it did give me sleepless nights because of uh, messing it up not once, not twice, but thrice. Over Oof. the course of as many days, you know, I know how laid back and easygoing you are when things yeah. go wrong for you. Oh boy! Uh, but soon to be named network.com. Uh, that's this show, of course. Logbox Heroes, Logbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, uh, Puzzle Warriors Three, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Porch Talk, and Hit My Music. Yep. 
And anytime any of the folks from those shows appear on other shows and they let me know, you can certainly find them over at soon to be named network.com. Right. Uh, you can also check out our friend Kevin, uh, his website, masklibrary.com. Uh, he typically does stuff in conjunction with the At Odds with Wrestling show. And he also does a little bit more of the, uh, and I don't want to say fringe, but more of the indie um, comic book projects, Kickstarters, things of that nature. So you can certainly check that sort of stuff out there at his site. I go check out Rick Williams, uh, the chop shop at free karate chops.storeenvy.com. All those cool, uh, glow in the dark resin sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. And he also added stickers to the site recently. So definitely check his stuff out. Uh, listeners of this show, Chris Runt and Jason Sandberg both did self-published comic books, Battle Monsters and Jupiter, respectively. Uh, we have links where you could purchase both of those books, support them. They support us. They're fans of the show. Uh, get those digitally. And I say on here that they have print copies, possibly, and they haven't corrected me and say, stop saying that. So, uh, you know... Kevat uh, and Poor, you know, they may not have print copies. That just might be me uh, making up stories, you know? Yeah. Could uh, happen. You've been known to do it. I have been known to do it. Um, and also, you could support our local comic book shop if you do not have a shop in your area or you do not have a good shop in your area. Let our shop, Comics on the Green, be your shop. We have a link uh, in the show notes to their Facebook page, which is where he does a lot of his announcements. Uh, I noticed that his email blast started up again this week. Mm. Uh, usually those come out in lieu, uh, in like a uh, preceding free comic book day coming out, letting know of sales and stuff. This week's was about uh, new releases, so I'm glad to see that is lining up. But they do a fantastic mail order subscription service. If you're not local, you want your book sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, you could certainly do any of those. And if you do, you might even get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky, uh, who has some prints that she is going to be selling locally. And you can check those out, her process, her commissions, and everything else on her social media, which is all linked up in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Right. So with that out of the way, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd, and I will kick things to you to start things off with uh, whatever you would like. I'm going to start with the book we were both looking forward to, which was The Nice House on the Lake. Um, uh, number, I'm sorry, I lost my place on it. Uh, number eight, written by James Tinney IV, art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Um, this is after... Uh, Walter has wiped everybody's memory uh, and he put them back in the house. They don't remember that the world was destroyed. They just uh, know that they're locked away here and they're planning like the things that they need to, to, to contact the outside world to see what they can do. And as this is going on, it's that uh, we get the bit about how Sarah met him, the character Sarah, as we've been getting that in the beginning of each issue as it goes on. And she ends up talking about how he was always talking about saving people. And there's only so many people that you can do. And it kind of all makes sense now. 
And while that's going on, uh, he has, I can't think of her name, uh, Nora stuck in the, the prison area, if you will. And he goes to clear his conscience in between talking to the rest of the, the people to tell her, he's like, oh, this is happening, that's happening, and I'm trying to get them to stop because it's not going to work. And they're talking and they're like, well, you know, you took away the the thinking that all their people are dead. But if you give that back, they're going to hate you. So you're stuck in this conundrum. Um, and while that's going on, there's one uh, of the characters who's trying to figure out why she's there because Walter never really liked her. And it's very weird. Um, this was a very straightforward issue. There wasn't a lot of like twists and turns. I think it was just giving the layout for like Walter's state of mind at this point and uh no big reveals or anything like that it's more of a straightforward issue but i thought it was really you know was really well done in that i don't think we needed any more twists or turns by issue eight if you get what i mean we'll probably have a few more before it's over but uh it, it looked great it was kind of you know creepy uh but no like real horror or anything like this in this one yeah so the aspect that i uh, like that we, you know, we're at this point in, we're eight issues in of the 12 total, and we have groups of people that are trying to make the best of it, and we have groups of people that are trying to reach the outside world, because obviously, you mentioned Walter has kind of erased their minds um, that everything else is dead out there, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes me think at times, it's like, oh, is this them maybe not believing Walter? But no, because he has the mind control over them. And the fact that one of the things that they ask for, because essentially they have like notepads and everything else, as we've talked about this book many a times, where they could just essentially write down whatever they want and they get it with some limitations. And one of the things that they've asked for and they don't get is an antenna. Because they're trying to use the antenna so that they can attempt to use their cell phones to attempt to reach to the outside world. Mm. Now... Obviously, if I'm Walter, I'm not. But if I'm Walter, I say, give them the antenna. Does the scope of his powers be able enough that he would be able to fudge incoming messages or signals to let them know that everything's okay out there? There's a part of me that makes me think, um, because it would be easier, like if they got any message that the outside world was destroyed, then they wouldn't blame it on Walter. Walter told them the first time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if they were like, oh, the world's destroyed, well, there's like, I don't know anything about it. But there's a part of me that makes me think he doesn't want to give them the antenna so nobody, none of his people notice them. Mm -hmm. Ah, you know, I like you know, that. Like if you start sending out messages, I put you away in this little thing to save you. If you start drawing attention to yourself, it could be trouble. And that's more the way that I, that I think it goes. That or he doesn't want them to find out again that there is nothing. He, he just wants them to give up. I don't know. It's like this weird conundrum, but also like a mystery. I don't know. I find it, I find it like really fascinating. And the part with the person who doesn't understand why she's there. Cause nobody ever really liked her. She doesn't know anybody. Well, so, so, and that, so you mentioned that and there's the flashback part where there was discussion of her being taken off the list. Like Walter would always tell them individually that there's only so many people I can let into my life. Mm -hmm. And when I let someone new in, that means I have to let someone else off the list. Mm -hmm. And again, I know people like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
one of them might be in this house. Oh, boy. One of them might be on this podcast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, not officially, not officially, but you know how it is, you know? Um, and then this person who ends up in the house is someone that we were told or they were told was off the list. So then there's like a little tiny bit of them trying to figure out like what happened between this conversation and this, this event that got this person back on the list and who did they replace? And, you know, uh, maybe, and again, not to give too, too much away. Again, we try to be spoiler free. Um, but maybe that list might have been bigger than uh, we thought or were led to believe. Or maybe there might be two lists. Right. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the one thing that we never really talk about, Joe, is in the beginning, uh, people wandering around the woods now. Like in the beginning of this one, somebody's running around with a gun. And like people have been beat up like at the beginning of their stories with band. I'm like, I'm wondering if everybody turned on each other. Like, I don't know. Like there are things that like we glance over that I don't even like. I'm like all these mysteries and these openings keep getting weirder and weirder to the books. I I don't know. I just it's I worry about the ending when like, you know, you have stuff built up for eight, nine, 10, 11 issues on a mystery, you know. So we'll we'll have to see. I hope he he sticks the landing. Uh, Time will tell. Time will tell, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I hope you don't get anybody new or I'm off the list, Joe. No, no, no. Again, the list is a lot longer than Walter's, but a lot shorter than, I don't know, someone else's. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other book that we read from this past week is Batman Superman World's Finest Number 2, uh, written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. When we last left our intrepid heroes, Batman, Superman, and Robin, of course, uh, Batman or Superman's blood was poisoned by red kryptonite, and it was uh, literally tearing him apart. So they bring him to the Doom Patrol for uh, Professor Niles, what's his name? Calder. Calder. Uh, attempt to try to figure out on how to save. Um, oh, okay. So, and this, so this is really interesting, right? Um, so they try to figure out how to uh, save Superman. Uh, not going to spoil how they do, but they do. Uh, but they also figure out that the the big bad in all of this. We get his um, his origin story, if you will. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Supergirl shows up to take Robin, who's Dick Grayson Robin, away. And maybe it's new for this, or maybe these are from stories that I just don't recall from, like, this era of Batman, Superman, Robin, uh, Supergirl, in that this there's this contentious relationship between Supergirl and Robin that I was unaware of. Mm-hmm. Um, so they attempt to go back to that point in time to stop this essentially from happening or but then they show up and they have the guy's sword so they automatically think that they're part of his whatever right mm-hmm. okay this is a fun issue i love this sort of stuff obviously sometimes i question like where does this fit into not today's continuity because i can c- sort of read this in a bubble in and of itself but like i said that little bit there with robin and supergirl um are you aware of that do you know what that's a reference to is this like an old 
continuity bit that I just don't know. Yeah, like the the fight. No, I think Mark Wade's laying some new ground here. Okay, because I do because this as I as I read what they're because I have it in front of me, I feel like they they went on a date once and it didn't go well. Okay, that's my my take on it, but I don't know. So we shall see. Um, I have faith in Mark Wade. I have faith in Mark Wade too. And then I just got thrown a little bit because, you know, I would say when it comes to a book like this, I don't read the solicitations. It's Mark Wade. He's writing Batman and Superman. Just tell me when it comes out, you know? Mm -hmm. But as I look at the solicitation, uh, it states here, um, a side mission to track a mysterious figure known as the demon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, that is misleading of course, because there already is a the demon in DC continuity. That would be Ra's al Ghul. No, well, okay, so that would be Ra's al Ghul, but that would also be Etrigan the demon. Right. Now, when you read the solicitor, does it say the demon or a demon? It says, a side mission to track a mysterious figure known as, in quotes, the demon. Mm. So, I just glanced at that, and I'm like, I don't recall Rachel Ghoul being in this. I don't recall Etrigan being in this. And I don't recall them recalling the villain, the demon. Maybe it was him saying, put that in there so I could give the bait and switch. I don't know. That So what I'm thinking is that may have been like a placeholder thing that never got fixed or corrected. Right. Uh, but no, this and that was just a little bit of a distraction there. But this is a really good book. We're only two issues in. Uh you know, Mark Wade doesn't write bad superhero comics, and this is definitely uh, a good superhero comic. So Mark Wade is writing it for sure. Right. Two couple things that I want to bring up in that makes this a great comic for me, and the reason I wanted to talk about it is mostly Batman in this, where like Batman, like uh, Niles is trying to fix him, and he's like, "Well, I'm going to do this, and you know, it may work, but we only have so much time to do it." And he's like, it's going to work. And he actually says, and the artist uh, does a great job. Maura does a great job of him looking sad saying, come on, Cal, you can do this kind of a thing. So to see Batman worry for Superman and then like smile, like, you know, when he's kind of getting better, it is weird to see. But my favorite thing in this is when he finds out that uh, Dr. Calder is, uh, watching and taking files on the superheroes and they're like you're watching all the superheroes they're like yeah somebody's got to take them down if they go sideways and I'm like you hypocrite Batman you hypocrite you totally have this this plan and Mark Wade's the guy who put who wrote that story in Justice League and I hope at some point in this storyline that that mirror is put up to Batman if that makes any sense like him going, like, how could you? And he's like, ah, how about that Tower of Babylon story that you had there, there, Batman? You know? Uh, well, so I would I would assume that this in the continuity of things takes place before Tower of Babel, you know? True, but like I don't know with all how wibbly wobbly timey wimey crisis is. But maybe this will be what kickstarts that idea, something. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. But it wasn't so much as uh Calder saying, like, oh, somebody's gotta take him down. Um, he says like I wouldn't call it spying. It's more this. And it was like something much more innocuous that like anyone else other than Batman would be like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Right. Didn't you say eavesdropping? 
it's something like that. I'm trying to find the issue. I don't know where I, it's not easily uh, grabbable right now for me to peruse through. I have through. it. I'm looking. But it might take me a minute. No, that's okay. But so, yeah. You, but you get what I'm saying in regards yeah. to that. Yeah, it wasn't as overt as, you know, so I could take everyone down when they go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we read. Uh Last week, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them sent to your home, uh, whether you, I don't know, however you get comic books these days, uh, you get them digitally. Can you still get them digitally? Yes, you can. Yeah. Uh, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd has five correct guesses over me. Uh, I have a feeling that that's not going to be much more of a change this week. Um, your, you have a big list this week. Yes. And you have a lot of stuff on here. And my knee jerk reaction is to say saga number 58. But I don't know if you've been enjoying Saga Fifty Saga Return as much as I have been. There's another book that I'd like to think that it is, but I'm going to stick with my initial thought and say that it's Saga Fifty Eight. It is Saga Fifty Eight, Joe. Okay, good. What, what was your What was the other one? Uh Ninja Turtles Ronin, number five. Uh, if that hadn't gone off the rails and late so much, yeah, it would have been. But this is the you know the bit where I've talked about it like this Batman Catwoman, even though Batman Catwoman wasn't as good. Just like the later you get, the less I care about a book these days. For sure. So that's where I'm at. Is the book you're looking forward to most also Saga Fifty Eight? It is Saga Fifty Eight this week. Uh, you know, I know Todd has had a couple things go up against Saga and beat. Saga, but it takes a big one to take Saga down. And this week, there's some big stuff. Um, you know, the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, the next issue of the Punisher stuff, the next issue of the Rogues uh, Black Label book. But it's got to be Saga. And just for the record, Joe, there haven't been some books that have taken Saga down. There's been one book that's taken Saga down, and that doesn't come back till September, so I don't have to right. worry about it until then. Right. There's a couple times in the past where, like, I think I picked, like, a Mortal Hulk over Saga once or twice. Hmm, I think not. I think you did the other way. Because occasionally mm. I would, because there would be times where I'd be like, oh, was it not the not Saga book? And you're like, nope, always Saga. Hmm. So. If only I kept better track of these sort of things. You can go back and listen to every episode. No, I just have to listen to the episodes where we talked about Saga being the book that comes out that following week. Right. Anyway, um, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, uh, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and again, of course, the placeholder for Todd and Joe Have Issues for 2022, which is the silver standard uh, determining who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. The Flash, of course, has the best. Does Batman have the second best? Does Spider-Man have the second best? We have a very elaborate tournament that's going on that you, the (laughs) listeners, get to vote on and we make our best cases for. 
Last week, the Glass Man moves on in the tournament, defeating Sticks and Stones. I'm a Glass Man. <laughs> so I can get rid of that bookmark. And uh, if you listen to After Dark this week, you'll learn more about that. All right. Uh, this week's matchup. Uh, am I going first or are you going first with this one? Um, it's up to you. I'll t- I, t- I defer. You tell me where you want me to go. All right. I'll go first, Todd. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this was another one where who he is and what he did, I guess, gives him a little bit of notoriety. But this is one of those things where um, a retcon of a story that we tried to invent something to fit in there. And now that we fit this in there, now what do we do with it? Like we've kind of painted it like we could have just left well enough alone. Right. But now that we've done this, we've painted ourselves into a corner. And by we, I mean Stan Lee. Oh, that hack. He's so, no Dan Lee. So back in 1968, in a Spider-Man annual, we find out that Peter Parker's parents, say that six times fast, were actually undercover S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who were killed. Mm. And who killed them, Todd? None other than Carl Fears, a.k.a. The Finisher. Ooh. So, Peter finds this information out. He goes to confront The Finisher. Uh, The Finisher then launches a bunch of rockets from his limo. But Peter is easily able to reroute the rockets back to the limo and blow it up and the finisher himself. And that's the end of that chapter. (laughs) Or is it right? Because after we introduced this character back in 1968, in the midst of that Nick Spencer, amazing Spider-Man run where he decides I'm going to fix all the problems with Spider-Man, most notably all the horrible stuff from J J. Michael Straczynski's run. Mm hmm. There was other little bits and pieces and so forth that he decided that he needed to fix as well. And that included a story involving the finisher, which gets the finisher involved in uh, the finisher was the right hand man of the Red Skull. Uh, He's the one who trained the chameleon. The chameleon uh, is the one who put the fake peter parker's parents into the comics in the 90s that was the catalyst for the clone saga and by introducing him into the book a character that was like a one-off appearance done we never have to mention him again nearly 50 years ago you dredge this character back up and with it we get his uh his abilities todd And this is from the official Marvel handbook, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. The finisher lacked any superpowers, but he possessed an inherent sense of time and preparation that allowed him to set traps and bombs particularly to the letter. So his power is that he's really good at setting up traps, except for the ones that he launched from his limo that blew himself up. Well, that'll happen. So this is just a a lame one-off story that, you know, in more recent memory, they tried to make a bigger thing. The finisher, Carl Fears, 
the man who killed Peter Parker's parents. Okay. Sounds really cool to me, Joe. Uh-huh. Uh, well, let me tell you who I think's got that beat. And if you see a picture of his costume, well, my guy's got you beat hands down. But uh, my character is named Slugsy Kyle. That's his shoot name, brother. Um, he was the first criminal captured by Batman. So that should be, you know, pretty cool, right? He goes out and, you know, it's like my first night on patrol. Let me get this guy. Then he puts him in jail. And this guy decides, well, the Batman put me in jail and I'm going to get revenge. And I'm going to learn all about clocks, Joe. Is it the clock king? No, no, no. Don't jump ahead. It's not him. Um, it's he just calls himself the clock. And he decided to become enamored with clocks because Batman made me do time. And that's a quote, Joe. So right off the bat, terrible. So he breaks out. He does all these clock themed crimes like destroying a statue of batman with uh that's holding a clock with acid oh that's great but also he decides to uh steal for some reason the tiny screws that are used to make pocket watches in this story and he ends up distracting the people on the uh the uh the assembly line with his goons hired goons and he uh he gets away with all the screws so batman chases him uh he manages to get away but joe uh he decides to steal this is where batman's gonna get him he decides to steal uh the giant jewels out of a giant pocket watch that is on display because it has real jewel movements and he ends up getting beaten by uh the batman once again fighting him using the giant stopwatch to spring uh clockwork stuff wraps him up and then he ends up putting him back in jail and he tells him here you're back in jail uh you got caught a uh, clock got caught by a clock which sounds dirty if you say it fast <laughs> and then it says exactly one hour and 13 minutes later it's a very fitting clock you've been been given a cell that faces the prison clock the end never have we seen the clock again he was done way better as the clock king uh with you know in batman animated adventures and other dc stories and he has one of the most ridiculously looking uh costumes and at certain points like his costume doesn't even make any sense because he has the minute hand facing at the 12 and then he has the hour hand it's not on an hour so if you have to add it when you're on the 12 you have to be on a one a two or three i don't know i don't understand this guy's costume hideous p yellow like the color of dick tracy just god awful joe so the clock is stupid and lame so I will say, um, you know, this guy definitely sounds like uh, like the rough draft for Clock King. Mm -hmm. So that's why he's never been brought back up before. Uh, I will say this, at least with your description of him, he definitely sounds lame. But his design is very, like, I feel if he was in a late 60s, early 70s Spider-Man comic, he would fit right in as well. Just with his costume, maybe not his name, but definitely his gimmicks. Um, I'm shocked that no one has done, like, some sort of story to, like, tie his origin into the Clock King's origin. And didn't, what was Tom King's thing that he did with, 
uh, the bat with the Joker and the Riddler. It was like the war of riddles and jokes, right? Yep. Um, where some entrepreneurial Batman writer decides to do like a clock versus clock king battle. Mm-hmm. Um, the battle of hours and minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely think that there's more potential to be mined from a future clock story than there is from the finisher, which again right. also co- possibly could sound dirty as well. <laughs> right. It's uh, the clock finisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely vote. Let us know who you think is lamer. Um, I think I finally, after 17, 18 weeks, have figured out a way to get the images framed properly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see how this looks when the post goes out. I have my fingers crossed, but uh, after last week's uh, triple debacle, I don't have a lot of faith uh, in this. I don't this. know. Yeah. The track record's looking pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so, hey, you can check out our store uh, where you could buy shirts and pins and stickers uh, with our logo on it, uh, designed by the aforementioned definitive DC KFC artist Tom Derinick. Uh You could also head over to our T Public store, shortened up at tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, this next three days is the 35% off sale. So if you want designs inspired by this show, After Dark, uh, at odds with wrestling, final wrestling place, hit my music on anything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. Der- certainly check that out over the next couple days. Uh, you also want to help us out. You can sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longbox heroes. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Uh, the movie show, which is looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. We're hot off the heels of Nudist Colony of the Dead. Uh, will you have an inky dinky do day, too? <laughs> uh, and previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, we're getting ready to do May 92 sometime in the next two weeks. Uh, the $5 level is going to give you these shows two weeks before everyone else, and it's also going to give you uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can get these shows in the correct listening order. And you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. They call it a advertising fee for us being an affiliate of Amazon. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this week include... Uh, somebody purchased Nice House on the Lake number 8 digitally. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, somebody purchased a watch charger stand for an Apple Watch. Uh, I wonder if they make that for whatever like the Samsung version of that is. You know, Mother's and Birthday are coming up. Uh, somebody purchased a Muticore fishing magnets, uh, 400 pounds, pull force, strong retrieval magnets, N52 neodyme magnets with 20 uh, meters, 64 foot durable rope, powerful magnets for fishing and magnetic recovery salvage. Ooh, I want to go salvaging. <laughs> I, well... Uh, I do like that they have in there the conversion for meters and feet. Right. I, it's always you just double it and add 30, whatever the numbers are, and it works on everything. 
Oh, it does? Yeah. So if you go 55 miles an hour, you double that, and it's 110, add 30, and it's 140 kilometers an hour. It's real easy. It works with bacon, everything, you know? I, I'm not old, sure about that. It's an old McKenzie Brothers bit off one of their albums. Oh, okay. Uh, somebody also purchased, and I think this is the third time they purchased it, Tarani Pure Made Dark Chocolate Sauce, a pack of four six-and-a-half-ounce bottles. Right, right. I don't know if you're cooking or you just really enjoy drinking chocolate. I say kudos to you. Right. And I, I want to say that I equally uh, care for and respect all of our listeners. And this is a judgment-free zone. Um, you know, they say you can't yuck someone's yum. You can't judge all of these things. I'm just going to read this next purchase and move on. Because somebody purchased uh, a five-ounce bag of organic black licorice. Oh, boy. Here he goes. Nice. We're moving on to the next segment. Okay. Uh, I think uh, that would be it before we get into TV talk, right? We just have uh, the latest episode of Moon Knight to talk about. Yes? Yes. Nothing else. No art attacks this week. So Right. Uh, so, uh, again, we're always a week behind on Moon Knight. Uh, it comes out on Wednesdays when this episode goes live. So, like I said, we're always like a, a week behind on these sort of things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in the episode, we're still in Egypt. We're picking things up from last week where Mark slash Stephen are now separated from Khonshu. Uh, we're getting a little bit more, and again, we're getting a little bit more of the, uh, I guess, blossoming romance between Stephen and Layla, and maybe a little bit of the jealousy that Mark is having while he watches this from the sidelines and cannot do anything with this. Right. Because Mark and Steven made a deal that once they did whatever they needed to do there with Khonshu, that Mark would go away. Uh, now, mm-hmm. obviously, they made that deal, but Mark has not gone away as he continually uh, pesters Stephen from every reflective service surface that they could find. It's weird how many reflective services there are in the desert. Yes. Uh, so they are still on the track of um, uh, Aaron Haro, which again, this is uh, foolishness on me. I didn't realize this was uh, Ethan Hawke playing him. Yeah, I, I remember like a week or two ago, I was like, I can't remember the name of e- Ethan Hawke's character. And you kind of laughed at me when I said they were chasing down Ethan Hawke. And I'm like, he I thought know you were making a joke. No, that was the actor who was playing it. And I was like, well, I'm just going to let that go. So, all right. He's doing a good job. You can stop me when I do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, So they like come upon his camp. They're ransacking things for supplies. Uh, Layla grabs more flares, which she's a big fan of. Mm hmm. And uh, it's at this point that they realize that where uh, Haro and his people are um, is a maze. And uh, Stephen figures out that the maze is in the shape of the Eye of Horus, right? Mm-hmm. So we get to see a little bit more of his knowledge of, his knowledge of Egyptian culture and things like this. Um while they are going through the maze someone comes up so they hide and it's like this weird creature thing that's doing like a live mummification 
Uh, I will say that this episode, I'll just stop here, was for a Disney Plus show, was shockingly scary and bloody. Definitely a bit graphic in spots. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, like, I was like, uh, like, I was creeped out. And you notice, like, they never, like, even with the thing chasing uh, Steven in the first episode, that you never really get a great look at the uh, monster. Like, you see, like, his, like, gore, at least not on my TV, it was kind of dark. Uh, so I never really got a good look, but it, it doesn't matter. It still creeped me out, and I was still, like, like the way he was constantly, like, clicking his teeth and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I just don't like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. Good. You know, that's, and, that's, that's, that's sort of my thing. I like creepy, right? Well, I meant in a good way. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, so in, the, they get away from whatever's doing that mummification, they more, uh, or Steven comes upon a sarcophagus and he's looking at everything and he realizes that it's not Egyptian, that it's Macedonian and it's Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. And also from them realizing that this is, uh, all based on the eye of Horus and that, um, that the uh, it was the voice of Annette that they were looking for. He reaches down, he unmummifies Alexander the Great and reaches his hand very far and very deep down of his throat, which I don't know. I assume based on the preservation things that that thing would just like rip to shreds. But again, I don't know how the mummification process on thousand year old bodies works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in there, he finds the statue. Uh, that Annet is uh, trapped inside, and this is when Haro shows up and does his best, which is sows the seeds of deceit in where he tells Layla that it was Mark Spector who killed her father. Her father, who essentially is like an Indiana Jones, like this, this had a lot of Indiana Jones, more so Temple of Doom, but Indiana Jones vibes in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And I can I just add one thing. Yes. Um, and along the way, Stephen tells Layla that he's, uh, Mark's trying to protect her because he will. She, he thinks she'll be Conchu will make her the new Moon Knight. She's like, I don't need saving, blah blah blah. So that kind of puts a rift between her and Mark. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, go ahead. Right. So with these uh, seeds of dissent being planted um th- all of a sudden we're whisked away and we're in a different setting uh everything's white uh we come out from a tv where they're watching uh a movie called tomb busted Mm-hmm. That stars Layla's father as the Indiana Jones-esque lead in the film. Um, and Steven is there and he's apparently in a uh, uh, an asylum. Yep. And Layla's, is, and Layla's his nurse. No, Layla's. An, I thought Layla was another inmate. Okay. And then everybody in the in the asylum is people that he's met. Like the guy, the gold statue guy from where he lives is there. Do you right. remember the guy he talks to? He He's there. And then like all the guards and the, the, the guy who runs it are Ethan Hawke's character. And then the, the guards are his people that 
work for him. And so it's like everything in uh, Mark Stevens' world is supposed to be fictionalized. He's he's making this world up in his head that we've been watching for the last four episodes uh, kind of a deal. It's very, it's very, it's very interesting. And this is, I was lost uh, in the show. I was, I was kind of floundering. And this is where it starts to take and interest me because it's something quite different. I don't know. I, I really like this bit because we end up seeing that now Steven and Mark can get together because Mark was in the sarcophagus and he gets out and there's another sarcophagus. And uh, in the end, there's like this uh, uh, hippo god that comes and shows up who's one of them, who was mentioned as one of the toys in the beginning of the the episode, uh, series. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in once things turned on its head. Uh, and I really do hope they make that tomb busted movie for Disney Plus, Joe. Uh, I definitely hope that we get some more B-roll of that mm-hmm. as like a bonus feature or a post-credit sequence or a something something. Right. Um, so obviously you're saying that this, this revelation here, this kind of twist of the last couple episodes to kind of get Mark and Steven in the same spot at the same time. Right. Um, so I liked this, but it really wasn't like the turning point for me that it was for you because I've really been enjoying the show. It's, you know, there's a, it does get heady at times and it does get confused, confusing of like referring to Steven and Mark back and forth, which is why I take extensive notes for myself with this, why I get confused on who the actor or, you know, who plays the villain is and stuff like that. Um, but I just thought that this was like a cool twist and I'm going to be interested to see where things go. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Khonshu is separated from them. Uh, whomever this hippo God is. Obviously, it's very clear that Haro got uh, Anit, which is why he was, and I'm mispronouncing it, I know. Um, But that's why he was kind of able to reshape things this way. Um, But also, it kind of puts like a little seed in your head of says like, or maybe it's always been this way. And like the last three episodes have all been the fantasy part, you know? Right, right. Uh, So it was a very interesting twist, but it wasn't like a thing of like, well... You know, now my interest has peaked where it was starting to dip a little bit. Like, I've been with it the whole way, but it's definitely like, uh, you know, a little bit of a lighter show. You get your, like, soft action sequences every show. You get, like, um, you know, a budding will-they-won't-they romance sort of thing. Right. Uh, You get an ill-defined villain with his powers. Uh, But I, I think it's a fun show. You know, there's only two episodes left. You know, at this point, you're either in or you're out. I'm in. I mean, I'm going to ride it out, but because I that old saying we use around here is I got sweat equity in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're the guy who hasn't seen Eternals. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's something that's never going to change. Right. Now, what if there's is there anything else from the Marvel Cinematic stuff you haven't seen or Uh, the Sony stuff? I haven't seen the two Venom movies. They they don't count. But you saw all the Spider-Man movies of anything that counts. Well, I haven't seen it. Uh, okay. Of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anything with what's-his-face, the new one? Uh, uh, Tom Holland, absolutely. Okay. The Tom Holland movies, those are the only ones that count. Yeah. And, uh, like, he's he's a good kid. I saw the, fir- the, uh, the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. That's all you need. With Electro in it, and it was bad. What? And- he's a... Spider-Man villain, how could it be bad? Well, it's not the spider, it's not Electro like I know Electro. Mm-hmm. Or no, the first one was the lizard, the second one was Electro, my apologies. Yeah, the second one was, uh, what was it, the Riddler Electro, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, but no, anything like as part of like the actual legit Marvel Cinematic Universe. The only thing I haven't seen of it was Eternals. Okay. One down. The day might come. The day might come. I don't know. Yeah, when your kid gets really into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. That's all we got. We got two more episodes of this. Um, and then, what is it, next, uh, yeah, next weekend is, uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. Are we doing Obi-Wan? Uh, it's on the list. I don't know if there's anything else going on with it, you know? Yeah, I was just uh, curious, because, I it's, mean... It's got at least one week until the boys starts, you know? There you go. Yeah. Now, not that it, not that it matters either way. Do you have, like, is it something you would watch regardless of the show? Uh, you know, and that's another thing. I've watched all the Star Wars stuff so far. I watched the the Mandalorians and the Boba Fett. So I'm like, I'll watch Obi-Wan, you know? Right. But you haven't seen all of the, not that they hook up, uh, the post. Have you seen all the three Spider-Man, or the Spider-Man, the three Star Wars, uh, the, the pro, the epilogue ones, the Skywalker the, the movies, but the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw all three of those. I saw Rogue One, and I saw Solo. I saw them all. Oh, okay. I'm actually shocked that you saw them all. But yeah, all right, I, I like Star Wars. Oh, I know, but that don't you like a lot of things, but that don't mean you get to see them. That's true, right? So, all right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Episode six hundred three, Long Box Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.